following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. Let's see, what is the date today? Um, today... <laughs> Do some audio stuff here. Today's date is, uh, let's see, oh, it's 9-11. That reminds me. I've got to do some talking to with you about um, about Islam. I'll be talking about that a little bit. But if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Please give me a call. And uh, hopefully everything's working fine. You can hear me now, Charlie Wright. Everything's good. All right, let me know how it's working in Clubhouse. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We do... Uh, we um, we ship the uh, the sound out live to Clubhouse, and I have spent I don't know a couple hours. I'm an ex computer tech. I spent a couple hours trying to figure things out to get it work. I've tried all kinds of tricks, compatibility issues, administrative issues, uninstalling, reinstalling old ones. Uh, you know, just doing different things, old versions, and I can't get it to work. So I had this idea, and I don't know if it's working right now. The idea was to put my phone with Clubhouse on it into a box with the microphone and the speaker in there to see if it works. So uh, that's what we're trying. So if it's working great, I want to know you got to text me on my uh, phone. You know, Charlie can do it, and and, uh, unless you join, can do it, or you can do it. But, hey, we're just working live on the tech stuff because that's what we do. That's what it is. Okay, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-207. Two two seven six. I want to hear from you. Give me a call, please. And uh, oh, no one hit the go live button on the video. Aha! So I just did. All right. So it should be kicking in here in a second. All right. Now, as you know, uh, today is nine eleven, and uh, so what I'd like to do on the anniversary of nine eleven is discuss Islam because uh, a lot of people don't know about Islam, and uh, a lot of people think that it was just a bunch of nuts who did this, this uh, the attack on 9-11. You know, um, speaking of which, where were you when it happened? Uh, I know where I was. Uh, I was uh, home uh, with a medical issue and had a couple, three days off, and I was able to make it to my, my office, and I was... Um, Looking at a headline, it said the uh, the twin towers had fallen, and I said to my wife, I yell out there and I'm like, hey, my hun, yes, I said someone hacked the uh, the website, the news website, and and I said the twin towers fell. I said it's pretty good. They go really, yeah, oh yeah, I hacked it. And okay, it's about ten or fifteen minutes later. I went back and took a look. I was thinking about it. Going, wait a minute, and I turn a TV on. And lo and behold, that's how we found out. So I thought it was a joke, because who would do anything like that? Uh, it's just ridiculous. But at any rate, so that's what happened. And, uh, you know, praise God that, um, well, that here we are. But let me tell you about Islam. Why would people do that in Islam? If, oh, excuse me, if anyone tells you Islam is a religion of peace, uh, they're just misinformed. 
There is a website that I recommend people go to called TheReligionOfPeace.com. I'm going to do it right now. TheReligionOfPeace.com. And I go to it every now and then. And uh, Jihad Report, September 2nd, 2023 to September 8th. So basically in a week, 20 attacks, 171 people killed, 146 injured, two suicide blasts in 10 countries from Muslims. There have been, since 9-11, 43,933 Islamic terrorist attack have carried, uh, that have been carried out since then. Uh, Jihad report August, uh, 109 uh, attacks, 584 killed, 421 injured, four suicide blasts in 20 countries. And you can click a li- link and you can find the list of the attacks. And uh, there's like uh, in Peshawar, in Galmudug, in Taraba, and I don't even know where these places are. Uh, there are, and there's a list of these things here in Afghanistan. A former Taliban opponent is assassinated at his home. Nigeria, Catholic seminary students burned alive in a rectory by Muslim militants. Uh, Pakistan, a suicide blast, a separate mortar attack, leave a woman and four children dead. In Kenya, Islamists hit a border patrol with an IED, killing two members. Uh, Nigeria again, at least one other person is killed in uh, in a firing by ISWAP, I-S-W-A-P. So we have people in Malawi, we have uh, a guy in uh, Nigeria, and uh, I've been sent uh, film of, um, I I won't get descriptive, but it's pretty brutal, of of what they've done to Christians and uh, in the process. So why is Islam like this? Why is Islam so um, volatile? Well, before I tell you what I'm going to do, and I hope I don't get kicked off of whatever reading the facts, but there are facts about this. This is from, um, this is from, let's see, heavenawaitswordpress.com. Um, there's two paragraphs. Uh, this is from uh, this one's from examiner.com. One when there's one to two percent of a population of Muslims that are peaceful, five percent there's heavy proselytizing to gain converts. Now remember, five percent is one in every twenty people is a Muslim. When there's a little bit more than five percent, they push for halal food. Uh, that's like kosher stuff, uh, and pressure businesses to comply. When there's ten percent. Uh, there's there's uh, increased lawlessness to ensure their demands. There's 20%, there's rioting and sporadic killings, burning of Christian churches and Jewish synagogues. When there's 40% of chronic terror attacks, 60% persecution of non-Muslims, sporadic ethnic cleansing, Sharia law attacks upon infidels is instituted. When it's 80%, there's daily intimidation, violence, state-run ethnic cleansing, genocide with the aim of 100% Islamic nation. So that was from the examiner.com. Here's, this is from heavenawaits.wordpress.com. When they're 1% of the population, they're peaceful. 2 to 3%, they proselytize the disaffected and ethnic minorities, recruiting from jails and street gangs. 5% they exercise an inordinate amount of influence upon society in relation to their percentage of their population. That's like the LGBT or the alphabet mob. They're doing the same thing. Anyway, 
they will insist on Islamic standards of food preparation, uh, increased uh, pressure on food supply chains to adapt to their Muslim rules. When there's 10%, they increase uh, lawlessness as a means of getting what they want in harmony with Islamic teachings. When there's 20% of the population, there's rioting, sporadic killings with church and synagogue burnings. 40% wild, widespread massacre with chronic terror attacks. 60% widespread persecution of unbelievers from different religions with sporadic ethnic cleansing. There's 80% state-run ethnic cleansing and 100% complete domination with the oppression of religious and ethnic minorities not in harmony with Islam. So this is uh, this is this some of the facts. Now that this is years old. Uh, maybe I should you know so I can find out some more stuff about them. So what I do now is uh, just read uh, from Islamic sources. So this is what Surah two one ninety one says. Now Surah I mean, is just Arabic for chapter. One ninety one is an ayat or a verse. So we just say Surah two one ninety one. So it's chapter 2, 191. And slay them wherever you catch them and turn them out from wherever you have turned them out for tumult and oppression are worse than slaughter. But fight them not in the sacred month, okay? Unless they first fight you. In Surah 2, 116, fighting is prescribed for you and ye dislike it, but it is possible that you dislike a thing which is good for you and that you love a thing which is bad for you. In uh, Surah 2, uh, I already got that one. Uh, let's see, let's see, Surah 4, uh, 76, those who believe do battle for the cause of Allah, and those who disbelieve do battle for the cause of idols. In uh, Surah 5, 33, the only reward of those who make war upon Allah and his messenger and strive after corruption in the land will be that they are killed or crucified or have their hands and feet on alternate sides cut off or will be expelled out of the land. Uh, then in Surah 8.12, when your Lord inspired the angels, saying, I am with you, so make those who believe stand firm, I will throw fear into the hearts of those who disbelieve, and smite the necks and smite of them each finger. It is because they opposed Allah and his messenger. Behead them, right? In Surah 8.65, oh, and folks, there's just a lot more. I'm going I'm to continue to read it because it's the anniversary, 9-11. In Surah 8.65, it says, uh, O Prophet, urge the believers to war. If there are 20 patient ones of you, they shall overcome 200. If there are 200 of you, they shall overcome 1,000. In Surah 9.5, Then when the sacred months have passed, slay the idolaters wherever you find them, and take them captive and besiege them, and prepare for them each ambush. In Surah 9.29, Now the word fight here, uh, I was told by a, a native Arabic speaker that it means fight to kill. It's, that's, how it, that's what it means in Arabic. Surah 929, fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his apostles. In Surah 973, O Prophet, strive hard against the unbelievers and the hypocrites, be unyielding to them, and their abodes is hell, and evil is a destination. Now I got more to read, but I'm going to tell you a story. So. I was at a doctor's appointment back in the day when I was in San Diego and uh, just sitting in the lobby waiting and this this guy walks in and uh, I, I overheard him talking to the receptionist, he had a heavy accent and his, uh, his apparel was a little off for San Diego 
And so, you know, I, he was from a different country. And, you know, okay. And so I started a conversation with him. And uh, he turns out that he was a Coptic Christian who had to flee. I forgot which country it was, like it was Egypt or one of those countries over there. And um, Lebanon, whatever. I don't remember exactly. And he said that what would happen periodically every year or two, that uh, the Muslims would break into his house with his family there and with weapons, hold them at bay while they robbed them and would say, whatever you have belongs to Allah. And they would go in and steal, just steal stuff. And it was just, it was so hard, he said, to just to, to you know, they have a, a, a couch or a TV, a small TV, they'd steal it, or radio, they'd steal it, you know, and and uh, the food, they would take it, and it was horrible, and because they were Coptics in the, this Muslim-run country, he was not allowed to have any real jobs that made any decent money. They had to struggle all the time, and so they said they fled, they left. That's why they came to America. Uh, and, uh, oh, and, and someone else told me that there was a uh, a derogatory term used by Muslims uh, on Christians called blue bones, blue bones. And I don't remember the whole history, uh, but they said that there was a time in their recent past when the Christians would be paraded around cities with heavy chains around their necks with a cross hanging from the heavy chains. And the chains would cause the, the bone in the back of their neck to be bruised and turn blue. Hence, it's a derogatory term blue bones. And then there was the kid who took a drink of water from a hose at a Muslim's house. They killed him for it. Yeah, this is Islam. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. I'll read you more out of the Quran about what it says about fighting unbelievers. We'll be right back, folks. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Why don't you give me a call? Um, I want to hear from you. All right, so uh, let me get back into the issue of, uh, of what Islam teaches on this anniversary of uh, the murder of 3,000 people. Um, by uh, by Muslims, and um, now people say, "Well, they're Muslim extremists." Well, are they? What does the Quran teach? What does the Hadith teach? Well, good to the Hadith too. Hadith is a deed in the saying of Muhammad. So this is a this is it. Now it's not politically correct to say this over the year. Well, you know the problem with political political correctness is it's a filter uh, where truth is is obscured, removed, or reinterpreted. That's political correctness. And so if you were to say something like this, as I am, is it going to cost me? It might. I don't know. But the fact is, this is what the Quran is teaching. So I'm just reading what the Quran teaches. And so if they want to ban me or or cancel me for reading the Quran and say, no, the, the, the Islam is a religion of peace, then explain these verses. Explain them. That's all. Explain why the religion of peace.com has counted over 43,000 uh, attacks and deaths. Well, please explain it. And people don't like facts a lot, but hey. This is uh, Surah 9, 123. Oh, you who believe, fight those who are unbelievers who are near you to them and let them find you in 
hardness and know that Allah is with you, with those who guard against evil. Here, let me tell you another story. I had someone sit at my house, and he was a Christian missionary to one of those countries, and I can't give too many details. And he, what he did was he taught English, but his ultimate goal was to make converts of Muslims. And so he told me a story of, um, of a, a Christian man and a Muslim man who were f good friends in that country for like 25 years. And they were at each other's uh, graduations for their children. You visit each other in the hospitals. Their children would, would stay over each other's house. You know, and they just were best friends. Until the Muslim Imam told the Muslim to kill that Christian. And he did. He did. So this guy told me this story, and there were other stories he told me, but that's when I remember the most. Um, in beheading, here we go. This is, uh, well, sorry, we get that one after this. This is Surah 33, uh, 60, verse uh, and 62. The hypocrites and those in whose hearts is a disease and the agitators in the city do not de desist. Cursed wherever they are found, they shall be seized and murdered, a horrible murdering. Such has been the curse the, or the course of Allah with respect to those who have gone before, and you shall not find any change in the course of Allah. So in Surah 47, 47.4, Now when ye meet in battle those who disbelieve, then it is smiting of the necks until when they have you've routed them, then making fast of bonds, and afterward either grace or ransom till the war lay down its burdens. So you kill them, behead them, and then capture them, and then uh, hold it for ransom. That's what the Quran teaches. How about this, Surah 61.4, Allah truly loves those who fight in his cause in the battle array as if they were solid cemented structure. Now before I get to the Hadith, I'm going to tell you, uh, different Muslims have told me different things over the years, and different converts from Islam to Christianity have told me things. And Muhammad said that there's twice as many uh, women in hell uh, as men. Maybe I'll read some of that. But the way for a, uh, a woman to be guaranteed uh, salvation is, I think it was if two of her sons are killed in jihad. It was two or four, I think it was two, but I don't know. It's been so long. That's the only way they can be guaranteed to be in heaven, if their sons die for Islam. Wow, what a violent religion. Uh, let's see, this is uh, from Sahih Bukhari, uh, Volume 4, Book 52, Number 260. No. Uh, this is the hadith, and it's the highest uh, quality hadith. For the Prophet said, if somebody, a Muslim, discards his religion, kill him. So if you leave Islam, they're supposed to kill you. Isn't that nice? Or how about this? This is uh, Bukhari Hadith, Volume 9, Book 93, Number 55. 555, five, five, excuse me, 555. Five, five. Uh, it says, Allah's Apostle said, Allah guarantees the person who carries out jihad in his cause, and nothing compelled him to go out but jihad in his cause and the belief in his word, that he will either admit him into paradise or return him with reward or booty he has earned to his residence from where he went out. So, 
jihad, fighting. Uh, if you die, you, you get to go to paradise, and if you don't, you get a, a lot of possessions. Now, what are you going to do if you're a Muslim or you're, you're a, an Arab out there, you know, back in the 600s, and Muhammad's coming along and saying, look, what we're going to do is go in and we're going to have battles. We know there's thousands of us. We're going to have battles. And whoever battles, you get to take a spoil from whatever you got, including the women. Yeah. How about that? Oh, a lot of guys are going to sign up for that because you can do whatever you want with those whom your right hand possesses. That's what uh, the phrase means. Hey, let me just continue on with stuff about Islam. I hope this is interesting. <laughs> Humbled clay. <laughs> um, how can that be if he's a prophet? Magic has, was worked on the prophet so that he began to fancy that he was doing a thing which he was not actually doing. That's a, that's a hadith, uh, Sahih, uh, volume 4, page, uh, book 54, number 490. Or how about this? Um, it's, uh, it says, and I don't have to read the whole thing, but he was, Muhammad was white, and there's a reason I'll, I'll bring this up. He's a white man. That's Hadith, Volume 1, Book 3, Number 63. I have this linked on my website. You can just click it and you can go to him. And Muhammad, check this out. I came and behold, Allah's apostle was staying at Mashrobah. And a black slave of Allah's apostle was at the top of its stairs. I said to him, tell me, tell the prophet that here is Umam Big, I can't pronounce the name, Bin Al-Khatab, asking for permission to enter. Then he admitted me. Hmm. So uh, he owned slaves. Allah, I mean, Muhammad owned black slaves. That's what it says from the Hadith. That's the deeds and the sayings of Muhammad. It's a Sahih, Sahih Bukhari, which means it's very reliable. Okay, there's four levels of Hadith, and uh, this is the top. Volume 9, page 91, number 368 is where you can find that. And you can just look it up on the web. Did Muhammad have black slaves? Yep, yeah. it's documented. And uh, how about this? This is from uh, uh, Bukhari Hadith, volume 3, page, uh, book 29, number 72. Allah's apostle entered Mecca in the year of its con conquest, wearing an Arabian helmet on his head, and when the prophet took it off, a person came and said, Ibn Qatal is holding the covering of the Kaaba, uh, take, I mean, taking refuge in it. The prophet said, kill him. Yeah. And it says here, the Prophet said, Oh Allah, set for me apart from my sins, because uh, Obama was a sinner. Jesus wasn't. Even the Quran says he wasn't. And um, when we get back, I'll read where Muhammad taught lying was okay. Hey, we'll be right back, folks, after these messages. At the bottom of the hour, give me a call, 877 We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We're at the bottom of the hour. I hope you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. So on this anniversary, unfortunate one, of 9-11 uh, uh, travesty, I'm do just doing some stuff on Islam and reading about Islam. And uh, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. So this is uh, this is interesting. It says uh, that lying is okay. So Muhammad taught. Now this is out of Buk uh, Sahih Bukhari uh, Hadith, Volume Five, 
book 59, number 369. This is what it says. Muhammad bin Maslama got up saying, Oh, Allah's apostle, would you like that I kill him? The prophet said, Yes. Muhammad bin Maslama said, Then allow me to say a false thing I, to deceive him. The prophet said, You may say it. So Muhammad taught that deception was okay I mean, to kill people. Boy, what a nice guy. Here, I'm going to read something to you. This is out of Surah 4, um, 1, 7. And uh, so this is uh, Surah 4, 157. Now, what I'm going to do is read right out of the Quran because I want people to see what the Quran says. Now, I'll tell you what it's about, and I'm going to read it so you can understand it. Now, the question here is who made someone look like someone else? Then you'll see what I'm saying here. Surah 4, 157. That they said and boast, We killed Christ Jesus, the Son of Mary, the Apostle of Allah. But they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubt, with no certain knowledge. But only conjecture to follow, for of a surety they killed him not. So the Quran denies that Jesus was crucified. Now, look what happened here. But so is made to appear to them. So I've talked to Muslims about this. And I say, you know, I've read the Tasfir. Now, Tasfir are commentaries on the Quran. And it says that uh, Allah is the one who did this. Allah made someone look like Jesus to be crucified. Do you agree? And they say, yeah. Uh -huh. I said, okay, so Allah, by his direct hand, deceived people, didn't he? No, it's okay, because blah, blah, blah. And they give you all these reasons. The point is that Allah, in the Quran, Allah directly deceived people by his own hand, by his own direct work. And so notice this. He says, don't believe that he's crucified, but it was made to look like he was crucified. Or let's reword it a little bit. Don't believe that Jesus is crucified, even though Allah made it look like he was crucified. But don't believe that. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what is, is going on. And I asked the Muslims, so did he deceive people? Oh, man, they don't like it when I say that. And I just ask them again, did they? Did, did Allah deceive people? Why would he tell people not to believe he's crucified and make someone look like he's crucified to deceive them? that he deceived them and they will get into all kinds of stuff and I say so your God is the, the deceiver how can you trust him and your prophet thought lying was okay how can you trust him how do you know you're not deceived it's a serious question and it's worth asking Muslims that's Surah 4 157 all right now Oh, boy, excuse me. Oh, man, I'm going to read just some more out of my notes on Islam. And, yeah, because no one's calling me, I think he might be enjoying this. So this is uh, out of Surah 23, 101 to 103. Then when the trumpet is blown, this is the day of judgment, there will be no more relationships between them that day, nor won't one ask after another. Then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy they will attain salvation. But those whose balance is light will be those who have lost their souls in hell will they abide. So, according to Islam, salvation is by your works, your good deeds. 
you know, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, just like the Eastern Orthodox, just like the Roman Catholics. Yep. Interesting. How about this? Hey, ladies, listen up to this. This is good stuff. Um, you need to know about this. This is Surah in the Quran, 7831. Verily for the righteous, there will be a fulfillment of the heart's desires, gardens enclosed, and grapevines, and voluptuous women of equal age. That's what waits the men. That's what waits the men in heaven. There's nothing that really talks about what women get in heaven. I think they have to wait in a corner to be summoned and be glad that they're in heaven to serve men. And this is in Surah 434. As to those women on whose part you fear disloyalty and ill conduct, admonish them first, refuse to share their beds, and then beat them lightly. Or just beat them, let's say lightly. So if you suspect that a woman's not uh, being loyal to you, you can admonish, don't sleep with them, and then you can beat them. Now, I read a book uh, called Infidel. It's about a Muslim woman. I think she's in Ethiopia. I can't remember. And uh, she became an atheist. And it's too bad. But she was a Muslim who became an atheist. And she said in the book that at night they would listen through the windows of varying Muslim women being beaten by their husbands. And they recognized the voices of the, of the uh, women. Not every woman, but they would recognize you know, the friends. They knew who they were. And then the next day, that woman would be out in the streets wearing the burqa, the complete covering, so they couldn't be, no evidence visible that she was beaten and hurt. She said it happened every night. This is the, the Islamic world for those poor women in that context. Or how about this one? This is Surah 4.3. Um, it says, uh, here we go. Marry women of your choice, two or three or four. But if you p fear that you shall not be able to deal justly with them, then only one or a captive that your right hand possesses. That will be more suitable to prevent you from doing injustice. So there's what's called temporary marriage, where a Muslim man can temporarily marry a woman in order to have relations with her and then divorce her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about this? This is sort of 551. Oh, you who believe, do not take the Jews and the Christians for friends. They are friends of each other, and whoever amongst you takes them for a friend, then surely he is one of them. Surely Allah does not guide the unjust people. So don't take Jews and Christians as your friend. All right. Uh, let's get to two more, and then we'll take the collar. The soul exits through the collarbone. This is Surah 75, 26-28. Yea, when the soul reaches to the collarbone in its exit, and there will be a cry, who is a magician? And uh, he will conclude that it is a time of parting. So the a person's soul leaves to the collarbone. Interesting. Uh, and this is good. For those of you who aren't feeling too good today, if you're not feeling very nice, you know, you'll run down. Uh, some people, this is out of uh, the Hadith, volume 8, book 82. And uh, some people from the tribe of Ukal came to the Prophet and embraced Islam. 
The climate of Medina did not suit them, so the prophet ordered them to go to the herd of milk at Camels of Charity and to drink their milk and urine as a medicine. So, uh, you know, drinking camel urine for medicine. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Hey, let's get on the, the air here with uh, Scott from Orlando, Florida. Scott, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, I'm actually, uh, Orlando is my phone, but uh, I'm actually from Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there we go. So what do you got, man? What's up? Yeah, well, I remember you were mentioning the um, lies of Muhammad and his prophet. Um, uh-huh. But I could have swore one of my friends mentioned lies of prophets of God, uh, the lying spirit of deceptive Ahab, um, just some of those moments when the prophets of God would lie and seemingly had no punishment. Um, and I know certainly the argument can be made, well, God never told them to do that. I would also say there's some instances in which God never, or Allah never told Muhammad to do it. So I'm trying to figure out, in comparison and contrast of these yeah. lies of the prophets that sure. we see in the Old Testament Scripture, how that contrasts against uh, Muhammad uh, saying, yeah, go ahead and lie, you know, for war or for whatever else. I mean, we certainly have a God who, um, you know, let prophets call down she-bears to maul children, and, you know, so, which I am okay with, children. but I want to know it, how it, that it compares children. in that. It, it wasn't yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So let me address that afterwards, but uh, we are on a break here in a second. So God allows a, ly- a lying spirit to go forth and be a deceiving uh, spirit. But God himself cannot lie. And did prophets lie? Yeah, they did. They made mistakes. But it does, it's never approved of. What the Bible does is record the sins of the prophets as well. In Islam, Allah specifically deceived people by his direct hand in Surah 4, 157. Hold on, we'll be right back after these messages. Ladies and gentlemen, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get back on here with Scott. All right, Scott, now, so where were we? Uh, First Kings 22-22. First Kings 22-22, the Lord said to him, how... He said, I'll go out and be deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. He said, uh, you're to entice them, also prevail, go and do so. Yep. So God uh, sent a deceiving spirit out, and the deceiving spirit is the one that enticed and did that. But God didn't do it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like uh, that's something that um, God didn't do it, but it seems like he allowed that deceiving yep. spirit. I'm sure you know, he allowed Satan to tempt us not be honored. Like that. I just, I can hear a Muslim kind of going, well, here's something that's very similar, and I didn't know if you can contrast that for us. Yeah, it's not the same thing. See, God certainly allows all kinds of bad things to occur. He allows murder to occur and theft to occur. A lying spirit is going to do exactly what a lying spirit does, but it can only do it by the permission of God. Just as God, nothing can occur without the permission of God, even murder, even theft. It can only occur if God 
permits it to occur. This is by his permissive will. The same thing's happening here. He's permitting the lion's spirit to go forth and to be a deceiving thing for the ultimate goal of God to bring certain things to bear. So that's all that's going on there. But in Surah 4, 157, Allah by his direct hand performed the deception. And so it's, there's a difference between directly causing it by your direct hand and allowing something to occur by your permission. I think it's a great uh, contrast. Thank you so much for the help. Sure, no problem. All right. Okay, we done? Okay. All right, yeah, we're done. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. You know what? Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. You see, the Quran, the Quran's, uh, the Muslims say, you'll hear this all the time. I got, a, I got a response for you, okay? If a Muslim says this to you, I got, I got something I want you to ask them. They'll say the Bible's been corrupted. The Bible's been corrupted, okay? been corrupted okay okay all right so it's been corrupted yes okay can you show me in the Quran where it says the Bible's been corrupted that's the question can you get me a Quran or get a Quran and show me where in the Quran it says it's been corrupted that's what I want you to do now here's the thing uh, the Quran doesn't teach it in fact let me read you what the Quran says about the Bible it's sort of 3 3 this is easy 3 3 Okay. It is he who sent down the book, the Quran, to you, Muhammad, with truth, confirming what came before it. And he sent down the Torah and the Injil, or the Gospel. So it confirms it. Interesting. In Surah 1094, so if you, Muhammad, are in doubt concerning that what we have revealed to you, that your names written in the Torah and the Injil, the Gospel, then ask those who are reading the book, the Torah and the, and the Injil, the Gospel, before you. Wait a minute. Now, this is one you got to remember. Surah 1044. Why would it be that Allah would tell Muhammad, if he's not sure about some stuff, to go ask the people who read the Bible, if the Bible's corrupt? Why would he do that? And you ask the Muslim in Surah 1044, excuse me, 1094, you got to say that. 1094, you say it over your heads, Surah 1094, okay? The Muslim says that the Bible's corrupted. Can you show me where it's corrupted? Where does the Quran say it's corrupted? It doesn't. And then you say, well, in Surah 1094, you go to Surah 33, Surah 1094, but 1094 is powerful, okay? And ask him, why would God tell you, tell Muhammad himself to go look at those people and ask? He says, I'll read it again. If you're in doubt concerning what we've revealed to you, then ask those who are reading the the book, the Bible, the Old and New Testament, the Torah and the Injil, which is the Torah and the Injil, which is the Torah and the Gospel. Before you, if you're in doubt, ask them. They're the ones reading the, the, the Old and New Testament. Ask them. Why would he do that if the Bible was corrupted? See? How about this? It's sort of 634. Uh, verily, messengers are, were denied before you, O Muhammad, but with patience they bore the denial and they were hurt till our help reached them and none can alter the words of Allah. Now what they do in the, in the, um, in the, uh, some of the translations, they'll put words in to soften it. And this, I think it's Yusuf Ali, it says decisions. None can alter the decisions of Allah. But that's not what it says in the Arabic. It says words. In Surah 1827, and recite what has been revealed to you, Muhammad, 
of the book, the Quran, for your Lord. Uh, recite it, understand it, and follow its teaching, and act on its orders, and preach it to men. None can change his words, and none you will find is a refuge other than him. Okay, so it says in Surah 1094, that's the one you got to re really remember. Why would it be the case that uh, that Muhammad is told by Allah, supposedly, to ask the people who read the Bible, the Old New Testament? If you're unsure about things, go ask them. But if the Bible's been corrupted, why would he say that? And again, ask the Muslim. If you're a Muslim listening, where does it say the Bible's corrupted? In the Quran? Anywhere. Does it say in the Hadith? Show it to me. And uh, so let's see, let's see, let's see. How about, uh, what is the real Quran? Now, this is interesting. Hudayfi was afraid of their difference in the recitation of the Quran. Uthman sent to every Muslim province one copy of what they had copied in order that all the other Quranic materials, whether written in fragmentary manuscripts or whole copies, be burnt. That's in Sahih Bukhari, Hadith 5.6, Book 61, Number 5.10. Now, wait a minute. That's interesting because, you see, how it worked back then is that uh, Allah would supposedly give this recitation and stuff to Muhammad who would tell people and then they would write it down on wood they'd write it on parchment on vellum they'd write it on on stone pottery they'd write down what Muhammad said okay so this was collected by Uthman and this is after Muhammad died so they collected the sayings and he assembled everything and then sent copies out and had and told everyone to destroy all the material all the other stuff that was written in all the fragments all the pots destroy it all why would that be could it be because they were contradictory and what he did was decided what would be in the Quran and told everybody to get rid of the counter evidence that's the question hey check this out in Surah 39 4 if Allah desires to take a son to himself, he will surely choose those he pleases from what he has created. But, in Surah 6101, wonderful originator of the heavens and the earth, how could he have a son when he has no concert? And he himself created everything. So this is a mistake that m Muslims make. And I've had this experience with Muslims so many times. So many times. I'll say, well, you say Jesus is the son of God. I say, yeah, he doesn't have a consort. He doesn't have a wife. And I say, the problem is you don't understand what is meant by the term in its original context, its original culture. You just think it means that God had a woman that he had relations with. That's Mormonism. That's not what's, uh, what we teach. It's not Christianity. That's not what it is. So you Muslims don't even know what we teach. And apparently the Quran didn't know either. That's not our position. We talk about sonship. It's not dealing with literal, physical uh, offspring of God. We don't teach that. We never have. I've had Muslims just be quiet when I'm telling them this. Says, where do you learn this stuff? And how come you didn't learn the truth? How come you didn't do your homework? You just repeat things without studying. That is shameful. It is shameful. Hey, how about this? Uh, Allah forgets. Is that possible? Check this out. In Surah 32:14. Uh, tasty for you forget the meeting of the day of yours and who and we too will forget you tasty the penalty of eternity so God forgets you but uh, 
it says in Surah 2460 that Allah is one who sees and knows everything. Now, how can he forget? Because to forget means you don't know it anymore. Now, some people say, well, God forgets your sins. No, he does not. He doesn't forget them. He says, I will remember them no more. Forgetting is passive. Remembering is active. Forgetting means it happens you know, to you. It, you didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, where are my car keys? Uh, uh, where are they? I don't know where they are. You don't sit there and go, oh, see, I just forgot where they were. See, I made myself forget. It doesn't work like that. But you can bring up old memories, as people often do in marriages. They purposely remember things they have already forgiven. That's another topic for another time. So God doesn't forget. Uh, but in, in Islam, yeah, he does. I wonder what else he's forgotten. All right, ladies and germs. So here's a, uh, a statement, and I do this uh, with, with the Muslims a lot. And I, I say, in Surah 482, it says that if there's any discrepancy in the Quran that it's not from Allah, and the Quran's false. And I read it to them. They say, is that what it says? That's what it says. Okay. Do they not consider the Quran? Had it been from other than Allah, they would have found in there much discrepancy. So I ask them. Where's a man's seed form in his body? Now, I got, I know some children are in cars and stuff like that. So it'll be very generic, but we understand what's going on. And um, where's a man's seed form in, in the, the human body? All right. Well, this is what the Quran says in Surah 86, 5 through 7. Tell me if this is a discrepancy or not. Now let man but think from what he is created. He is created from a drop a drop, liquid, a drop emitted proceeding from between the backbone and the ribs. The man's seed comes from his chest, chesticles. That's what, uh, that's, what the Islam, that's what the Quran teaches. So it does teach other things too, like the sun set in murky water in sort of 1886, but I think that's just more poetry. And I'll, I'll grant that. Uh, birds can talk in Surah 2716. Yeah, more poetry. Ants can talk in Surah 2718. I get it. But how about this one? Shooting stars are for driving away evil spirits in Surah 675. And we have from of old adorned the lowest heaven with lamps. And we have made such lamps as missiles to drive away the evil ones and have prepared for them the penalty of the blazing fire. So I have to ask Muslims, do shooting stars drive away evil spirits? Get an interesting uh, set of, of excuses for the, the discrepancies. Or how about this, seven heavens and seven earths, uh, Surah 65.12. Allah is he who created seven firmaments and of the earth a similar number. Through the midst of them all descends his command that you may know that Allah is given over all, power over all things. Oh, this is interesting. This is what it says in Surah 7, 121-24. Pharaoh said, Ye believe in him before I give you leave. Lo, this is the plot that we have plotted in the city, that ye may drive its people hence, but ye shall come to know. Surely I shall have your hands and feet cut off upon alternate sides, and I'll crucify every one of you. But crucifixion wasn't invented until about 600 B.C. by the Phoenicians. So there's some issues here about whether the, uh, the Quran put the crucifixion into Pharaoh's um, time frame before it was even invented. And of course, this is a definite discrepancy, sort of 1927 to 28. Oh, there's the music. You know what? We're out of time, but it has to do with 
Mary being the sister of Aaron and Moses. What a discrepancy that is. On this day of 9-11, those victims, you know, empathy for the family, and we hope that Islam fails because it's not the true religion of God. Not a religion of peace either. God bless everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.